Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Modern Health with Dr. Jane. I, of course, am Dr. Jane, and today I'm joined by Eric Myers. Eric, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you uh, give us an introduction of who you are and what you do? Well, thanks for having me, Jane. Yeah, who am I? I'm an astrologer who um, practices a type of astrology that is often termed evolutionary astrology. And what that means is that we're all growing, we're all evolving. And how can astrology be a tool for assisting our spiritual evolution? Um, I've been doing this for 25 years now, and I've written some books. And, um, you know, I, I'm just excited to, uh, to communicate with you about uh, this approach and whatever yeah. else. Yeah, so I found you through, because uh, I started to get into some energetic work. And so, you know, my listeners know that I'm a natural fertility expert. And when I work with my patients and when they get stuck, I'm always figuring out, okay, why are they stuck? What am I missing? What are they missing? And so there's so many different aspects to health and energetics is obviously a really big one. So I started to get into some energetic work because I never recommend anything that I haven't tried myself. And then it was like, you should get an astrology reading. And I'm like, what's an astrology reading of the neonatal chart, as opposed to the thing that you see in the newspaper that you can read? I'm a Libra, and this is what it means today about me. Can you expand a little bit more on that aspect of astrology versus, you know, reading the neonatal chart and the evolutionary astrology that you're talking about? Yeah, you know, this comes up all the time. Um, probably yes. the most challenging, uh, almost frustrating part of being an astrologer is the enormous difference between popular simplification of sun sign astrology versus understanding the deeper dimensions of the natal chart that has literally hundreds of variables rather than one. And one that's not even connected into your natal chart. Yeah. So I do not encourage or recommend any sun sign simplification astrology at all. Um, I don't endorse it and I don't practice it. And I um, encourage people to have a more in-depth, comprehensive understanding of their chart rather than one factor. Um, so in... Uh, most professional astrology, we look at the sun, the moon, and 10 other major planets, and then the houses, and there's a whole array of different techniques. It is an elaborately sophisticated system. So what I do addresses all of that rather than one factor. Yeah. And so how does that play into, because what I get fascinated with when I do any energy work or when we first met is that you were able to tell me so many things about who I am as a person, the challenges that I have faced or that I'm facing currently without me literally filling out any kind of form, except giving you my birth date and time and exact location. Yes. How can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's Where's a great the question? Tell me about the crystal ball ball you have. <laughs> well, not really crystal ball, but when you construct the natal chart, um, which is based on the day, place, and time, what we have access to is a window into the past. Um, in my approach and what I 
find available through astrology is um, an understanding about the broader themes and lessons and attunements of our karma, what, we, what the karmic inheritance is. Now, it doesn't provide specifics or details. It speaks in a general archetypal language. For instance, Sagittarius or Libra or Cancer or you know Jupiter. And so we have access to the themes, to the lessons. Um, and then because it's so sophisticated with many variables, we can hone it down into um, you know, a story or a more specific understanding. Um, but no details. It doesn't, astrology doesn't say you were in the French Revolution and you know you were a female and you got your head cut off. That doesn't say that. But it might say themes of collective turmoil where there was violence, where there was paradigm shifting issues that you might have been caught up with or things of that nature. So we understand these uh, dispositions, these patterns, these habits in our soul um, that generally replay um, until they don't, until we resolve them and you know heal and mature into where we're headed. Yeah, what is the acorn? Uh, it's the seed. I think that it's part of your beginning script. What is that script that you tell? Yeah, well, that's the analogy that I frequently use in my work is we inherit the tendencies of the acorn, of the seed, uh, who we've been, what's been concretized. And then we're in a new incarnation in the present lifetime. And from that foundation of consolidated experience, we reincarnate and then we mature, hopefully into a new, more um, mature iteration relevant for the present life intentions. So one of the books I wrote is called Between Past and Presence. And that is my overarching view that we're always in between what we're resolving, what we inherit, what is familiar, and then what we are now with new intentions cultivating and developing, we're, we're always in between. Uh, so there's nuance, there's process. It's not one or the other is, you know, spiritual development is gradual. Yeah. And it's what you're saying is that at least my understanding, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is that that can happen in one lifetime or that can happen in many lifetimes that it will continue to repeat itself. This is where is it connected to generational trauma or generational things that we continue to pass on? Well, you're speaking about two different issues there. The first one is my view is that we've been around for all of eternity in one form or another, and we go beyond the, the dimension of time. So in my understanding, very rarely would spiritual development, you know, complete in any one lifetime. Uh, you know, we're on the merry-go-round of samsara over many, many, many lifetimes is my view. Um, and so I'm not enlightened and I haven't completed it myself. So I can't speak of direct experience of getting off the merry-go-round. I'm not there yet. But from my understanding, we've all been around for a long, long time. Um, and then the second part, yes, we all have generational things. Uh, we all have family things. We all have personal stuff. I mean, we have a whole collection of many different layers of our karma. Um, and that's why we have all of eternity to work it out and play it out <laughs> because it is, uh, there's many layers to the proverbial onion. Yes. Uh, and I think you said that to me, which was a big uh, aha moment. 
and really like a bit of a relieving that, you know how we think there's like 10 layers to the onion? It's more like a thousand. <laughs> That's been my experience, you know. Um, and that is the gift we get when we are challenged and we're up in face of our, in the face of our karmic struggles and our wounds is we deepen. And if we can hang in there, we get access to the deeper layers of who we are. And then we get to transmute them into a more empowered uh, iteration. So in my view, um, it's helpful in order to get triggered and to go through challenges and to deepen into these layers of the onion. So we can be in charge of our energy rather than things being unwittingly, unconsciously in charge of us. Yeah, because it, it seems like it's one or the other. So spiritual awakening is about being more conscious of who we are. And that includes things that are more expansive, but also deeper and more psychological yep. within the unconsciousness of the shadow and the wounded. Yeah. And so, you know, because I do have obviously a lot of uh, women who are listening, who are struggling with infertility and it's, you know, what's a way that you can shift a perspective that this is something that's just happening to help you deepen your experience or find to learn something from this experience versus this is just happening to you? Yeah. Um, so astrology would cover all in every area of life. But to uh, just address this one particular specific area of fertility, uh, and we talked about, I believe, in your session about the energy called Ceres. Yes. And Ceres has a lot to do with early developmental child issues and fertility issues, as well as the moon. And my view is that Ceres and the moon does have extensions towards, you know, others, meaning child issues, but everything is archetypally symbolic of us. And most of us, myself included, have a lot of work with loving our own inner child, our own infant self, and to nourish and unconditionally love and accept that so nourishment goes with Sarah's and uh, how do we nourish ourselves emotionally and physically and then how do we nourish others emotionally and physically as an extension of our own kind of holism that we can achieve so what i've learned is most people do neglect their earlier developmental self just grow up you know there's such a focus on just get get over it and rather than get into it yes and and be more loving towards ourselves yes. so i have a uh orientation as a cancer son myself around the necessity for deeper emotional connectedness and self-love and i think a lot of those issues play out with our childhood issues probably including fertility issues yep yeah so i mean what i found was um really fascinating because I, you know, I never thought I would be in the space of fertility because I didn't struggle with fertility for a long time. Sure, I had a miscarriage, you know, sure, my pregnancy wasn't optimal, but it wasn't something that was, you know, it took me four years to conceive and I overcame. And that's why I'm sitting here helping 
uh, women do the same, but there, there was a pull towards it. And then when we looked at my chart, there's the series and the signs of the moon or whatever you said, where it's this lack of nourishment or lack of your basic needs being met. And fertility is very much that, you know, basic need where you feel like you should be able to just do it because that's what the physiology, you know, your body is designed to do. So I think it's interesting that it is, um, it doesn't, there is no specifics, like you said, but there could be a commonality and is it emotional grouping? Is that what you said that you end up attracting in order to heal your own? You can expand more on that. I'm not sure what you mean by emotional grouping. Like you tend to attract things into your life to help you heal. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My view, the external is a reflection of the internal and we're all playing out the theater of our soul work and what we attract on the everyday level around us. Um, it, it's an amazing thing when we understand the construction of the psyche. That's what the astrology chart reveals. And then like the sun, we radiate it out. We literally shine out our psyche and we hook in with this theater of our soul work with synchronicities where people come along and they get cast into the roles of the drama and we play out our chart. And this is true for every issue, including fertility and everything else. Um, and so we're going to draw in these themes and lessons, and we're going to have probably partnerships or soul contracts with those who might be working in similar ways to resolve stuff like you and your husband or other people. Um, there could be contracts or family contracts. Yeah. And like um, you're saying, soul contracts is like family is a big one. Yeah. People that you choose your partners, even your kids, like once you do have kids. Yeah. And a lot of those contracts is about resolution and it goes with the moon and even Saris is that we're all healing from early developmental uh, states or, or stages because that's where we all begin. So a lot of our soul contracts are for uh, the resolution of emotional dynamics within family, within partnerships. And then my understanding of spiritual awakening, and that's the sun in my view, the evolution towards a more enlightened way, um, it's just that we are in our soul self and we are existing as the director of our own drama and the writer and the dreamer. And we can create whatever we want when we are more resolved and healed about the more fundamental kind of messy personality and emotional stuff that we all have to deal with. So there's no bypass of that stuff um, we got to secure the foundation of the human and personality. And then from that foundation, we can mature to a more awakened self. Yeah. And so you, it's, there is an actual stage. You can't bypass that. So like, because we ended up doing our chart on um, our daughter to help us understand her a little bit more, which I think was like really insightful. And just, there is this energetic shift when you understand somebody more, it's like, she became a little bit less volatile because she was like I feel understood more even though we haven't really changed anything we were just like oh yeah she's a little bit more dramatic or she's a little bit more creative or she's a little bit but essentially what you see is in the to play out the to play out the chart is that you still have to go through these certain steps of you know going through being a teenager and so on like those development and pieces before you can have the spiritual awakening or is it possible to bypass those things yeah, well, my view is that Saturn is the energy about maturation. And Saturn has a 29 and a half year orbit 
And the first Saturn cycle, which is roughly 30 years, in my view, the first 30 years of anyone's life is the projection of the unresolved themes of the spiritual childhood, mm. meaning how we used to be in past lives when we were less mature than we are even today. So that's what childhood is about, is the playing out of our spiritual childhood. So we understand the work. It is totally clear. And then the second Saturn cycle, roughly 30 to 60, is when we've come of age, we're more mature, we're much more in charge of our life and our destiny, and then we make resolution, hopefully, or steps towards resolution, I should say, and then more of the blossoming into the new intentions for the present life. But most everyone for the first 30 years is on a karmic replay. Yeah, okay. That's awesome. Like that that helps me understand it so much. And in terms of like then the 60 to 90, what's that range? That's the cycle of the elder. And that is when we pass our wisdom down to younger people. So I see the first 30 years as more about the past. Yep. The second 30 years about hopefully arriving in the present. And the last 30 years is about being a mentor and a wise person towards the future and supporting younger people and occupying institutions from that a consciousness that we give to the world and you know yep. to humanity. That's ideal if growth is uh, maturing. Uh, many people aren't growing into the present, never mind the future. And many people are simply on the merry-go-round of their spiritual childhood and they don't even know it they're not aware and they don't even see it as a problem. Yeah. How do you know if you are on the merry-go-round versus you're growing? Well, that's a great question. Um, it's difficult to know other people's consciousness and the level they're at. Sure. But my sense in talking with so many people, I've been doing this for almost 25 years, is that most people are somewhere in the middle. Very, very few of us are completely oblivious to growth and resistant and stuck. And very few of us are really in the upper echelons of mature enlightened beingness. Almost everyone is somewhere in the middle. And what I see in my experience is that most people are growing to some degree, uh, some more than others. Yep. Um, but generally speaking, People do the work of their chart and they arrive in that uh, skill set and they consciously or not are doing things in service of their soul intentions. The astrology just makes it more overt and clear. Yep. Um, but I would say that that most people to some degree are growing. Um, and then there's examples of many people who aren't. And sometimes they can be the loudest amongst us, like, for instance, the former president of the U.S., Sure. So what I well, I think I always try to um to help people grow. I am all about growth. And I because it was it was so life-changing for me when someone pointed out a pattern that I was following. Like I didn't know I was I was on the merry-go-round. I had no idea until it was like, oh, this is a pattern. Like this is just happening. Like and the, this, so this was my naturopath uh, back when I first started school. And he asked me a question, what, like, where do you feel stuck? What's your pattern that's been happening over and over again? And at that time I couldn't find a relationship. 
And I was ready to like swear all the men off because I'm like, they're all assholes. They're all like, and, and then I had a roommate who had no issues finding a boyfriend. And then she would find a fantastic guy who was super nice to her, bring her flowers, take her to dates. And then she would dump him and then she would find another guy. And here I was being rejected, being, you know, abandoned and all these emotions and feelings that obviously I didn't want to feel. And I was convinced that it was the guys until I was like, wait a minute, I'm attracting something. And so to me, I'm like, I think if you feel like you're stuck and you're in a pattern, that could be a sign of you being on the the merry-go-round and you're not growing, potentially. It is, yeah. And um, oftentimes these patterns can be unhealthy or problematic, but many times um, it's just what is familiar. Yes. And there could be just a pattern of familiarity and souls want to grow and to have new experiences and be wise about the full buffet table of the human experience. So a lot of times what people's charts are about is just stretching them into the unknown, into new experiences or attunements that are beyond their comfort zone. Um, because repetition is the merry-go-round. And so if someone is just single-minded focus, I want to just be good at this, then it thwarts um, other experiences that could be complementary. Um, so I don't bring value judgments of good and bad language into my uh, approach to astrology. Uh, I use different language of just what is familiar, what is more just ingrained, um, what is from our unconsciousness or immaturity. Um, but I don't look at it necessarily as bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a judgment, right? Yeah. People often have that judgment around themselves. Yes. And I do a lot of reframe, reframing with people to soften their self-talk. Um, we all begin uh, less mature and conscious, just like a baby begins, you know, being an infant and a toddler. It's not wrong or bad to have those developmental levels. Yeah. That's where we all begin. So my focus is on unconditional love and compassion for our earlier versions, our inner child, rather than judge and berate it as being negative. Yeah. And so I think because what you're saying is the first 30 years, you're just playing out the past. So by the time you're starting to head into the future or the present, then you're 30 years old. And so it's hard for you to realize that your spiritual development is probably more of like a baby as opposed to a 30 year old. Yeah. yeah and that's kind of say the, is that how that, it works? <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say the first 30 years is just about sure. that. For instance, you can find your calling as I did in my twenties and that was progressive, but still, yes, you're growing, but the historical, in my sense, uh, issues in my twenties, I was still grappling with insecurity. I knew what my purpose was. I wasn't fully enrolled in it and, you know, representing it fully, but I was growing in my twenties, but the historical tendencies are still being addressed. But growth is possible in the first 30 years. It's not just, course, yeah. yeah. So there is growth, but it's more or less the first cycle is about replaying our karmic patterns so we can mature them. 
if, if that nuance makes sense. Yes, no, it does. And um, how does one get into astrology? Like what, what made you go into the field? Well, I don't know about other people. Everyone arrives at it differently. But for me, um, I got blown open in my early to mid 20s, around age 24. And before that, I was skeptical, atheist, scientific, rational kind of guy. And then I had a number of experiences and some key people entered my life that blew me open. And then I just became eager and hungry for metaphysical and spiritual things. And I discovered astrology. But then I realized that astrology is a very vast field with many approaches and paradigms. And it's not all the same. And like I said earlier, sun sign astrology, I don't recommend or endorse or some other things. So um, the field has many different approaches and perspectives. So what I do and the paradigm I'm op operating from is a bit different. And I'm more on the fringe uh, with what I do. The more mainstream conventional astrology is more egoically focused in my view, rather than spiritually focused. Like sun sign astrology is very egoically focused. Yeah. And um I, I'm really glad that you said that they used to be a really focused, you know, rational, because I think sometimes when we talk, you talk now, you assume that you've just been this way all the time, where in reality, like there were some really big changes that had to happen. Um, yeah. Was there anything in particular that you feel comfortable sharing that like really made the shift and that was the aha moment? Oh, sure. I did. I had one day in my life that was the before and after. Oh, yes. And okay. If you want to hear real quick what that was, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Well, again, I was 24 and uh, <laughs> uh, I met who is now my ex-wife mm -hmm. and she entered my, my life and um, I was at work and she was a social work intern and struck up a conversation with me about psychic uh, stuff. And I said, oh, I don't believe in that. I'm not open to that. And uh, we had a long conversation and eventually came around to her her saying that she had that ability. So I was like, okay, well, bring it on. Tell me about me. And then she did. And she tuned in. She did her whole thing. And she gave me this incredibly detailed um, kind of analysis of tons of stuff about my life. And this is in the mid-90s. There's no internet. She's not looking anything up online. Yeah. And then it floored me and it changed me. And it encouraged me to investigate how the heck could that have happened, and which led to the understanding of spirituality. We share consciousness. Consciousness is just not all within your skull. We actually have a collective consciousness. We're all interconnected at this, the level of psyche, of consciousness. And that opened the door for further spiritual exploration to make sense of this. And it just positioned me on my quest. Um, so... Saturn is the mundane world, is the governor of consensus reality, of separation consciousness. The outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, is about things that are transpersonal, spiritual. And so that's when I broke through the Saturnian barrier. Yep. And I, I was before 30, I was 24, and growth certainly can happen. But then the more mature integration happened a little bit more down the road. Yep. In fact, yeah, I became... Uh, much more of a professional um, at my Saturn return at age 29. Yeah. But I was blown open a, a few years before that. Experientially, I needed the experience rather than concepts. Yes, absolutely. I think we all do. And 
so because my husband is, you know, where he's more logical than I am and he really needs to understand. So when we were on appointment with our daughter it was like, okay, but like, how does it work? <laughs> how do you know with the stars and the, um, can you explain a little bit more in terms of, because, okay, so there's the, the Saturn and that's 30 years, but when you're actually born, that has the energetics of the planets and the major asteroids and the moon. Yeah. It's just a snapshot of the sky. Your natal chart is just what's happening um, around us, you know, where the position of the planets are and other things that are on the chart, the nodal axis, that's not planets. Those are points in space. It's complicated. We don't have to get into the nuance of that. And so what is necessary for somebody, in my view, is to understand that there is an intelligence to this thing, is that we like to think of humans as being the top of the pyramid of intelligence, but we're not. We're yeah. enrolled, we're like nerve endings of a much bigger brain. And that much bigger brain is orchestrating this whole thing. And we can trust it that the way the natal chart is, you know, oriented is connected to this intelligence. And so the universe has given us the archetypes and the understanding to uh, understand it. But the yep. issue, of course, is the interpretation. That's why there's many types of astrology. There isn't one way to interpret it. And so the devil is in the details of what we bring to the interpretation which can be many, many different paradigms. Um, so we have to remove our own distortions in my view and yes, um, and look at things from the clearest lens is, is our end of the deal. But there is a sophisticated intelligence that is governing this, this whole thing. Yeah, which is like what I find fascinating and whatever it is, you know, you believe it, everyone is gonna have their own belief system, but there's things that, you kind of can't deny in terms of, I mean, just your own personal experiences. But what my question to you was like, is there themes that we have seen in the world from a developmental perspective as well? So like, you know, generations, so whether you're generation X or the, the baby boomers or a millennial, is there, how does that play into it? Because generationally, broader... right? Like generationally, it seems like people go through a, a, a different types of growth, if you will, if that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I think that the collective growth is a reflection of individual growth. And we are a reflection of the world. It's a reflection of us. And we do see the collective uh, psyche or consciousness evolving. In fact, in my view, the 20th century was a massive uh, you know, trajectory of collective evolution. When the 20th century began, there were no cars or planes, you know, and no. um, women didn't have the right to vote and we didn't have cures for many diseases. Yep. And by the end of the century, you know, we had a quantum revolution and, and then now we're all, you know, got these. Yep. Um, and many other things. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Uh, so there's a evolution that is, I think, speeding up. Yes. Um, whereas the evolution 
of prior centuries before that did not have the same amount of massive change in all of these different ways and others. And so um, what I think is actually now more relevant for the 21st century is that our technological development is, is moving more rapidly than our emotional and spiritual development to catch up with it. And so mm. the work now is to catch up with it. Yeah. Is it possible, you think, to catch up with it just because the technological advancements are so high? And so I fast? think everything, growth is always possible. I don't think the universe ever set it up where growth is impossible. Yeah. I just it's mean whether to like or not catch we, up. <laughs> we, yes, whether or not that we're open to it and yeah. shifting our collective paradigm, which is what we're doing now, away from what we might call patriarchy or domination consciousness versus the more Aquarian, which is where we're moving into, which is much more interdependent, less hierarchical, more of the mindset we're in this together rather than individual self-gain and domination. And we are moving into this already that you're seeing. Well, gradually, perhaps, but um, that is the work of the so-called Age of Aquarius, which will be here for 2000 years. So we're going to have plenty of time on the collective scale to develop into this. So uh, I wouldn't expect it to be fully blossomed right at the right at the start, which is where we're headed. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I ask this because it's, it's one of those things like you'll see themes in health, right? Where like mental and emotional health, like people don't talk about that. My mom, who's like just turned 65, that's not something that was talked about when she was in her 20s or even in her 30s. Whereas now there's so much more, uh, you know, weight and awareness about how that's important. And so it's it, that's what I'm interested in. And like, how does all of a sudden everybody collectively start start to move towards something, right? And is there a connection to it? Or is that just like a, there's a need that we see it. And so we're going to, everybody's going to jump on that train. Hopefully. You Who know, knows? Yeah. <laughs> you know, my view is that, um, you know, I, I hope this doesn't sound too uh, nihilistic or something, but um, I don't have the agenda that we all get it and mature and create heaven on earth. My view is that we have all of eternity. There's been other evolutionary lines, probably even on this planet. A lot of metaphysicians say that this is the seventh uh, evolutionary line. Um, that's, you know, there's been floods or natural disasters that wiped everything out and, and the evolutionary process began again. And so yeah. if things were to become catastrophic, if there was nuclear war or something devastating, well, we have all of eternity we're working with. Energy is never created or destroyed. I would love for us to collectively evolve and reach a more enlightened, interconnected spiritual village. <clears throat> but if not, that's okay. We've, yeah. We're going to be, you know, spirit is eternal. Yeah, and yeah. evolution is ongoing in one shape or form forever. So it's a wonderful sentiment. I want to play my part. I hope it happens. But part of spiritual development is to be more non-attached. Yes. And yeah, I'm like, it's very freeing what you're saying. It's like, well, that like that doesn't. There's no worry there, you know. There's right. just like spirit's not attached. Spirit yeah. is willing to have periods of history where there's no life. It's just it's just desert for eons, for millions or billions of years. There is no urgency that we need to have advanced consciousness and civilization in a golden area, in a golden era. That's not better than just having deserts. 
So it's not attached. It doesn't have spirit, does not have urgency. That is our human kind of personality stuff. Yeah. Um, so just things, nature is, you know, it, it's, it just is. Whether if it's actively growing or dormant, it's just is. Yeah. And so spiritual awakening is, um, is yes, do your own role, do your own chart, but also not having an agenda uh, for others or the world. And yep. hopefully we do reach more enlightenment, but if not, that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. It's like, you know, that gives me goosebumps because it's just, it, it, it takes a lot of time to get there, you know, I'm like, yeah, I wish I could say that, but I know it's like, Oh, but that attachment is uh, that's very hard to break. So um, I appreciate you sharing that because I know it's important. <laughs> it is. I think a lot of spiritual development is about the release of attachments at risk of sounding Buddhist, but there is wisdom there. And Eastern yeah. religions are largely about the release of attachments, trusting life. We're being held by this enormous intelligence that's got our number, that is bigger than us. And the universe is much bigger than us. And we've learned you know, there's billions of stars and billions of galaxies, and there's probably billions of different evolutionary lines all over the universe. And, you know, life is is not all uh, contingent on our evolution on little planet Earth. There's It's a lot bigger than that. And yeah. we can trust that. And we can just see this as one little teeny school in a vast universe. So it's not all contingent on us. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's powerful. I think if you can just zoom out a little bit, it releases some pressure from your day-to-day -day worries. You know, yeah. I see this as a little laboratory, you know, and, totally, yeah. <laughs> and it'd be wonderful rats. if we can figure it out, we can work together, we can mature spiritually and we can create heaven on earth. Wonderful. I, I want to play my part and, and, yeah. and I hope to have that more realized in my lifetime. Um, but if, if not, then that's just the lessons. It's just the work and, yep. you know, just to trust life and, and it will continue to unfold. Yeah. I think one of the things you said to me that was really helpful is like, once you understand that life is just, it's just lessons, like less then you stop, it, it, you get rid of this attachment or you, at least you begin to get rid of, uh, getting rid of this attachment. And it was, you know, it's helpful to hear that. Uh, what I did want to ask is, do you have certain practices and things that you recommend for spiritual growth? Well, I mean, when I think of spiritual growth. Make sure growth, that everyone finishes their chart, you know, or does their chart, their energetic curriculum. <laughs> well, when I think of spiritual growth, there's many different sides to it. Mm -hmm. um, now, certainly there is contemplative development and things that are more intuitive or meditative, um, things where we release attachments to the personal story. But everyone's chart is different. And for many people, spiritual growth can be about learning to have more fun. For many people, it might be spending more time being disciplined for career. For some people, it's to resolve fertility issues and have a family. So spiritual growth is multifaceted. It means something to each individual, something different. So there is no cookie cutter, one size fits all yep. kind of prescription for it. So working the curriculum, as I call it, of the natal chart is very individualistic. So when I work with people, I address their specific curriculum and um, and then I strategize with them or what could be some things that could be helpful 
of the curriculum. Um, what are the sole intentions? Um, but again, I also encourage people to not give themselves urgency or a lot of, um, you know, difficulty about the rate of growth. It's supposed to be gradual. Yeah. And we've got all of eternity, like I keep saying, to to do it. So, you know, we can trust life and have perspective. Yeah. Um, no, that's really helpful versus like, okay, now, because we talked about, you know, my neonatal chart and a lot of things that came up is like this creative energy and releasing some like anger and other emotions. So whether it's taking a dance class or spending time alone, like that's an important um, aspect. But what you're saying is it's going to be different for everybody because for some people it is like, it sounds like some people need more discipline while others need to create more fun and adventure in their life. Everyone's different, you know? Yeah. Mother Teresa will reincarnate with a different karmic inheritance than Donald Trump. Yeah. And that will be <laughs> with their chart and they've got a whole different set of issues and karmic stuff and it's yeah. completely individualistic. Yeah. Um, I love that. The last thing I want you to talk about, because I found this super helpful, was, you know, the winter season, the summer, the autumn, um, the the fact that it's seven years. Talk about talk about that. Well, you're pointing to one technique. Um, the broader issue of the seasons is uh, turned into really a lot of my focus is that we the the four seasons is a template for spiritual development. And just like nature and trees and, you know, harvests goes in the seasonal rhythm, as do we. And each of the four seasons has a completely different uh, logic and um, curriculum. And so here we are just shortly after the winter solstice and winter is about building and the early stages and spring is branching out into more adolescence and and maturity things. Summer is the realization of our fullness. And uh, and then autumn is deepening, uh, more mature spiritually, letting go of attachments, deeper philosophical, spiritual, even psychological and emotional themes um, that are about wisdom. And then the release, the acceptance of death, the release of attachments, the abiding with the eternal death rebirth cycle, and then autumn turns into winter, and winter is the seedlings underground with new life again. So things regenerate in the winter. So this template is really holding our human experience in many ways. So what you mentioned with seven years is that the progressed moon is a 28-year cycle through the four seasons. So each of the four seasons are seven years in duration. But everything in astrology moves at a different rate. So you have a seasonal orientation for the sun, which is three months per season. Mm. And other planets go through whatever rate through the zodiac. So I wouldn't lock it into just seven years. That's just one uh, rate of one factor going through the seasonal rhythm. Everything in astrology goes at a different rate. But that's an important one in the book that I'm writing is about what's called the progress moon, which is the pro- the progress, the evolution of our basic emotional development is the progress moon. So it's an important one, but it's not the only one. Yeah, I just found it really helpful because when, um, and I mean, even when you did my husband's chart, daughter is too young, but it's like, 
hey, like you were in the winter, you were in the deep, dark season in this year of your life. And it was like, yep, you could literally remember the moment, like how hard it was, or there was like, maybe you hit a level of depression that you didn't know was possible, or there was something, other big events that happened. So it was just like, oh, that makes sense. You know, to me, anything that gives me little aha moments or when I feel like understood or acknowledged for my experiences, I think that's really healing. So to me, I found it really fascinating to be like, and then looking forward to ahead because I'm still in the winter season. And then you're like, okay, well, in a year and a half, it's like amazing. I only have a year and a half left. <laughs> With that one technique, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, autumn is probably the least egoically friendly of the four seasons. It's really about releasing egoic attachments and maturing. Yeah. And then um, the summer is more generally egoically friendly where we have the fruits of our efforts and we can have joy and bask in the splendor of life. Um, but all four seasons are important spiritually in different ways. So being a more spiritually oriented astrologer, I try not to partner with people's egoic preferences because that's often to avoid their yeah. necessary curriculum. Um, so the autumn is a sacred passage that we go through. And um, and it's a much different rhythm of life when we're in that season because we really are maturing spiritually. And that is oftentimes of not getting our egoic needs met. Um, so we can let that yeah. go and let go of the needs of our spiritual childhood. And then we're in the winter, it's a complete different curriculum. It's about building things. It's about reemerging. It's about claiming our authority. It's about the rising energy back to the light, which is a whole different trajectory. Um, so that's where we are now in the annual uh, rhythm in, in January. We're in the winter yep. and we're building now. Yep. When is your book coming out? Oh gosh, you know, that book is, um, I'm still writing the first draft then I got to get edited and I haven't been as disciplined as I've wanted to be. So I'd like to say that it will come out later on this year, but it might be next year, depending on how productive I can be and what happens with my scattered life right now. Yeah, totally. Tell me anything that you would recommend for people to read who want to learn more about this or where, you know, even where they can find you if they want to contact you. Yeah, well, I'm available for consults. And if people want a direct experience of astrology with what I do, I I'm always available to schedule consultations. I have written some books and then there's much other astrology out there. But again, um, there's lots of different approaches and perspectives and, yep. you know, different mindsets. It's not all the same. So I do recommend more uh, of what's called evolutionary astrology, which is uh, about the evolution of the soul. A lot of other astrology is more about judging everything as good or bad for egoic gain, which is what we're moving out of. Um, yep. And so I've been vocal about that. I'm not really embraced by a lot of the mainstream because of that, <laughs> but that's the issues of my chart is to not take that so personally and to just be, you know, doing what I do. Um, and then I will be uh, hopefully teaching classes again um, after this next book is done. And, um, and I'll probably be doing a podcast about um, a lot of the different ideas if I can get that organized with a friend. So there's several things that I've got up my sleeve, but, um, you know, everything in its time. Um, for, yeah. for me personally, a lot of stuff in my chart really starts to take off more in a year or two, and I'm still in an integration phase and 
inward face largely of writing and processing. So um, oh, I, I see your daughter in the background. Yep, she's just crawling around in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but I am available um, all the time. I'm always available for, for consults and I make it completely accessible to people. I don't even have to bring in uh, jargon if if they're newbies and not interested in, in the language. Many, most people are. I uh, yep. want to hear some of that and I pepper it in. Uh, but having one's chart done is is probably the most uh, advantageous to understand this this stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And like you said, usually you do it once a year, like around birthdays. Whenever people feel drawn, sometimes I work with people more frequently. And sometimes I'll hear from people after like five years. Oh, I need to schedule with you again. So yep. there is no, you know, rate that you're supposed to. But I generally work with people once a year. Yeah. Yeah, I found it really fascinating. It was uh, very eye-opening and like, it just gave me permission. That's the best That's the best way that I can describe it. I felt really light after the appointment. It took, and because you sent the recording, which I very much appreciated because I rewatched it, there was so much information that was new that I don't think I really got to like soak in as you were saying the first time, because it was like, how does this guy know all this information versus like listening to what you were saying? And so when I rewatched the recording, it was, you know, me reabsorbing some of that information so I can process it. And then I had lots of dreams the next day. And then it was like, oh yeah, okay. It makes sense where I am. I feel aligned with everything that you said. And then it, you recommended some things in terms of growth. I was like, I have been thinking about doing these things. So I need to make sure that, you know, I make carve time out for this and uh, prioritize it because it's just like not going to happen otherwise, you know. So I found it really uh, valuable and I have recommended a couple of people to come and see you and I hope that they do. We'll put the your website. It's Eric Solutions, I think. Eric Meyer Solutions. Now, Soul Vision Consulting. Soul Vision Consultant. Perfect. We'll put the link in and uh, yeah, I hope people reach out or even any uh, books that you recommend to read if somebody just wants to learn more about the good type of astrology, if you will, the right type of astrology. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't use that language, but uh, <laughs> um, this perspective, yes. Mm -hmm. What's the book, sorry? Do you have a book recommendation? Well, I've written um, about my approach to Astrology of Awakening. Volume one is the overarching perspective. And volume two is about chart application and counseling. And yeah. I've written another book called Between Past and Presence, A Spiritual View of the Moon and Sun, which is more or less uh, my approach. Rather than seeing the moon and sun as conventionally masculine or feminine or many times mother and father, I see it much differently. I see the moon as more... Uh, about matter, about what has been concretized, and the sun about energy, about what is radiating. Moon is about what's been concretized from the past. Sun's about being in the energy of the now. So, yep. so that's more of the spiritual view. Conventional astrology tends to look at things very dualistically, good and bad, male and female for everything. And, um, and what I do tends to have a more energetic or spiritual view, less about personality, stuff like that. I love it. Yeah. I always like to give people a couple of resources. So if they want to read things first before they jump into appointment, but it sounds like your website is probably going to be the best source for them to take a look and check things out. Yeah. And there's lots of other spiritual astrologers too. And um, 
you know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's also a lot of stuff out there. I wouldn't necessarily recommend to. So yeah. <laughs> it's a varied field, as I keep saying, um, there's yeah. many, many different types of astrology out there. And there's even Vedic astrology and Chinese astrology and Mayan astrology. I mean, there's a lot of different things out there for the seeker. Yeah. For the seeker. <laughs> I love it. Um, anything else that you want to say before I let you go, anything else to add or I forgot to ask maybe that you think is important? Oh, gosh, I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I always, um, you know, in my consults, I always support people. And I think we even talked about this before, is understanding that things are set up to be very gradual and to have patience with their own evolutionary trajectory and patience with what's going on in their life um, the outer planet transits are the deepest for our development and Pluto transits are easily about four years long. It's, it's like being in a PhD program. So if someone's going through a long process, that's the way it's set up because the duration gives deepening and nuance to marinate in it. Whereas there's such a focus in modern life for instant, rapid, get the information, let's get through this. The universe yeah. is not rapid around emotional and spiritual passages. So a lot of what I do is to give the perspective and to support people to be patient with things. Um, Thank you for so, saying that. That's a really good nugget. That's a really good nugget. <laughs> yeah. The ego wants yeah. things to be rapid, but it's not set up that way. Yeah, I love so that. To be patient and loving and accepting and trust life and to see that uh, things are actually more uh, aligned with our curriculum than they might appear. The universe is on our side. Yeah, uh, I agree. Thank you. That that speaks to my heart. And I think that speaks to a lot of uh, listeners and some of my patients that I know I'll be sending this uh, podcast to just to ease the, you know, ease the expectation and the pressure on yourself because it's, it's a lot, it's stress, right? Like you're stressing yourself out and instead we can shift that perspective and it can be really helpful. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've, yeah. I've enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you, Eric.